The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. So there's a strong case to include more of the right fat sources into your diet and also into your cooking. All right. So that's the only part of the show I'm going to include where you say, go forth and have all the fat and oil you want. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only part I'm including. That's it. Okay, I'm just going to put that on a 40-minute loop. There we go. Beautiful. <laughs> It'll become a meme, a ringtone. It'll be great. Love it. <laughs> from her closet high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Phillipson. Fats, oils, and even butter. Oh, so good. So tasty. So, so, so satisfying. And us as humans, we really, really need to eat it every day the bad rap that these fats have got over the years that includes the cooking oils, the baking oils, and all of that stuff, I think came from that whole fat-free 80s that led to the demise of the once revered staple being an essential part of our diet. That whole fat-free craze was just a decade of tasteless, cardboardy, I don't even know what sugary kind of foods, who knows what it did to us that grew up in that era. Everything was baked and boiled. Pretty much, and no taste and no flavor. Right. And yet, every single cell in our body contains fat. And while you might feel that you've got a little too much of it going on in your body with that padding on your booty or somewhere else in your body, please don't think that eating fat immediately makes you fat. It really doesn't work that way. Well, like not exactly. There are different names for fat that are thrown around like model cars with the special edition this and the super healthy versions of that. And truthfully, that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. We now see highly processed and refined vegetable oils and spreads that tout, this is gonna help lower your cholesterol. And yep, I'm gonna go and get that because the label says so and I'm gonna be better for it. Then maybe a friend comes along and shares some article like I just came across in Time Magazine with the headline that reads, when vegetable oil isn't as healthy as you think, and then goes on to report that the almighty recommendation that vegetable oils are way better for you than the animal fats, like margarine being better than butter, well, a lot of that actually came from completely flawed reporting of studies where all the results were not actually shared. They just handpicked the bits that they put out there. Talk about skewed and a messed up situation. Now, just a quick sidebar. This happens a lot. And this is part of what I pride myself in is that I actually click through on the study and I read what it looks like. I learned way back when I was training as a nutritionist in England and they were trying to get rid of B6 as something that you could buy over the counter because of one study, just one, that showed that it might have caused sort of the shakes or some neurological things that they tested. 
Well, there were 17 people involved in this study, <laughs> and that's what they were legislating to take B6 off the shelf. That you couldn't buy any more than like 20 or 50 milligrams of B6. So wait a minute. Did all 17 people start shaking? This whole they thing. Them, they gave them all B6. They all started shaking. They're like, okay, that's 100% uh, confirmation that B6 gives you the shakes. That's it. <laughs> And that, truthfully, can be what happens with some of these studies. So please, when you read a headline like that, then do a little bit more digging or keep tuning in here because that's my job. I, that's what I do. So that corn oil, that vegetable oil that you've got in your pantry cupboard, isn't it the best to use in your cooking? Or shouldn't you throw it in your frying pan or maybe in your baking? Choosing the best oils to cook with doesn't need to be daunting as it really seems. So I'm going to break it down for you simply. Simply to talk about what oil to cook with, the healthiest oil to drizzle over your salad, or what to even spread on your toast. I was once asked, aren't all fats good for you? Well, I was actually asked that by someone who did not want to give up their favorite food in life, which happened to be fried bread. <laughs> Yep, that's my 90-year-old dad that I'm talking about, and he's actually still alive and kicking. <laughs> and when I was a kid, he would love nothing more than bread dipped in bacon fat or the drippings from a Sunday roast like it was a beaten-up egg and French toast was on the menu. Oh, and then on top of all of that was that saltiness, you know, the dark bit that's left in the bowl where all the fat has gone into. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he did actually go on to have a heart attack at one point in his life, and he's still on, you know, cholesterol medication and all those kind of things. And I've always attributed his heart health to that damn fried bread because <laughs> that's all he ever wanted to eat. I tell you, that stuff... Oh, heart attack in a mouthful. Sure, but I have so much respect for your father right now. The man lived the way he wanted to live, right? And I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. If I die, if I died, if I kicked the bucket sucking on Melba toast, then I, there's no way I'm leaving. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to haunt your butt. That's the first thing I'm going to do. All right. I, I'm sorry. I, if I'm going to go, I'm going happy, man. You got uh, it. I totally, I totally hear you. I'm trying to find the middle ground, my friend, oh, where, no. you know, it's not like a weekly fried bread. It's more like a, <laughs> like a quarterly, biannually, like annually, or maybe never again anymore. Fried oh, bread. Your, That's father, <laughs> your father's not putting in his calendar next to Kwanzaa fried bread day. <laughs> Right. It's not it's, it's not happening. All right. If he's if he wants it, if he feels like it, if he's craving it, go get the fried bread. That should have been been what he had for his recent 90th birthday. Yeah. That oh. would have been that would have been pretty epic. That would have been epic, yes. ex except if he if he suddenly dropped at the end of, <laughs> oh, no, of, of singing happy no. birthday. Yeah. <laughs> was, as, I as feel morbid. the fried. I, it's in my heart. Oh, no, this is not bad. This was not good. I don't know why we're laughing. It's so morbid. But man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> At least for yeah. his birthday. Yeah, yeah that would have been great. All right. So you know that there's such a thing as omega-3 and omega-6, right? Yeah. Well, those are the polyunsaturated fats. And then we've got the monounsaturated fats. That's more your olive oil, your... Um, avocado and then we've got the saturated fats and okay. those are the ones that now you are you're like ah can't eat them can't eat them can't eat them all right so what's the what's what is poly and mono 
mean in fats? What does that mean? Okay, so these can be really confusing terminology. Uh-oh. So, so the polyunsaturated fats, basically, to make keep it really clear in your head, they can they're the ones that are good for you. So your body can break them down. Your brain uses polyunsaturated fats, the omega-3 mostly. And then the polyunsaturated fats, if you think of like some omega-6s, so you're looking at your flax oil, you're looking at your hemp seeds, you're looking at the sunflower, the pumpkin, like all of those really healthy ones. The saturated fats, well, that does come from coconut oil. I'm going to go into more, more of that stuff. Uh, shortly. The monounsaturated fats are the kind of, I kind of call them like neutral fats. Like you need enough of them and your body can make more saturated fats uh, from them, but they're pretty good. They're good. They're good fats. You don't necessarily have to, the only one that you really have to be mindful of is the saturated fats, but we actually can make saturated fat in our body from all the other fats. So that's kind of where it gets confusing with, well, if I have the steak that's high in saturated fats, or I have the coconut oil or the butter that's high in saturated fats, where do I stop? And that's where the head spin begins because (laughs) you think, ah, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the, you know, the whatever. So again, we're going to try and, and deconfuse the situation as you walk the aisles and you're thinking, all right, I want to make some muffins. What am I supposed to put in that? Or as you just said before, Chris, I got my deep fryer. What am I going to put in that? And oh no, today I'm going to roast some veggies. You know, what do I put in there? But really why do you care? Like, why can't I just pick up any old oil? Well, really what it comes down to is heat. Heating an oil past what's called a smoke point damages or degrades the molecular structure of any fatty acid. And it really can produce harmful free radical situation that damages your cells. Now, just to bring this back down from like 40,000 feet, as soon as I said free radicals damage, all of that kind of stuff, this is your biggest worry here really with free radical damage is in your arteries. Because as those cells get damaged, then cholesterol comes along and patches them up, just like layering on a whole bunch of Band-Aids on these tiny microscopic little issues. Cholesterol is not a bad guy. It's actually part of your first aid kit. So cholesterol comes along and sees a cell in your body that's been damaged potentially by these bad saturated smoked fats. And then the cholesterol says, hey, it's okay, I'm coming along. And I, but it layers it. And then you end up with this blockage. And that's bad. Basically, that's where the problem is. We can do a whole other episode on cholesterol and really explain that more. But please know that that high cholesterol, there's a lot more that goes on to it. But cholesterol is honestly like a Band-Aid. It is a situation where your body's trying to repair itself. So if you take a step back from that and you think, oh, no, I really want my cells to be healthy, then that's why we're talking about these fats. Quick aside here before we get into a full episode, <laughs> HDL, the, the letter H is the helper right? So the HDL comes out of your liver and circulates around your body. So we want it there because it's like, you know, it's doing its thing. It's transporting all your hormones. It's doing all the things that cholesterol is supposed to do. The LDL is what brings it back. It says, okay, I think I've done my job. I don't need so much in my bloodstream now. I'm going to bring it back to the liver. That's where the balance has to be, right? You need more HDL because that's the helper 
that's the good stuff that's going out to do its job. The LDL, we want to bring that back. We don't want too much of that out there. We want it to be doing its job. So just a quick aside, so you know the difference between the HDL and the ratios. But we can do it. We can do a whole episode on that. So we really do a deep dive because it's a thing just to understand. And, you know, my dad's got high cholesterol and I've tried to explain this to him and he still keeps eating his saturated fat and his cheeses and all of those kind of things. This is where the balance comes in, where you think I'm going to have some of that saturated fat or I'm going to fry in oil or whatever it is that you're going to do. But finding the balance where you're not having the fried bread all the time means that you are actually really helping your arteries, especially to stay in really good shape. Now, while I'm talking about what's going on on the inside, you can also see free radical damage when you just go and look in the mirror. And yeah, you see those wrinkles. That's like an external free radical damage. Sometimes it's genetics, sometimes it's sun, but sun also produces free radicals and makes this instability of your cells replicating themselves. So if you can see it on the outside, you can only imagine what's going on on the inside. Oils can vary a lot in their makeup of their fat content, but basically the more of the poly unsaturated and mono unsaturated oils. So again, those poly ones are the nuts and seeds. If you think of those ones, the mono unsaturated fats, your olive oil, your avocado, the more of those you have in your diet tends to really lean towards you've got a healthier diet going on and the more saturated fats that you have so think like chips and butter and and steak with all that fat on there and eating the chicken skin and all of those kind of things your diet's considered maybe a little less healthy again we just have to kind of find that balance in there so let's talk about the oils that I don't recommend that you cook in. So that really comes down to those polyunsaturated fats because they're used in the brain. You eat them and they really should not be heated or denatured in any way. They're really something like those flax oil, the hemp oil, your omega-3 fish oils that you take as a supplement. You also might want to think about walnut oil, which is so tasty, and even sesame oil, sunflower and soybean. That's a whole other topic too. But they're kind of more on the edge here. So usually flax oil and hemp oil are taken either off a spoon, if you can hack that, you add them to smoothies or some juice, or maybe just put a little splash into a salad dressing because they do have a very distinct flavor to them. Typically, these really, really help to decrease inflammation. If you've got sore knees, if you've got any inflammation going on in your body, I just say sore knees because you feel it, then you know you've got inflammation and heart disease, that's inflammation. Then you want to have a lot more of the polyunsaturated fats going in. They also nourish your brain and they also make your skin soft. I'm really simplifying it here because they do a ton in your body, but those are definitely my top three that I thought would resonate with you. So what can you actually cook with if those are the ones not to cook with? I know that maybe somewhere in your cupboard, you might have like a white vegetable oil that's just at home for the deep fryer, or this is the one that I use, or when I'm not sure what to use, I go for it, or maybe like it's a corn oil, so it's yellow. Now, you won't find those in my cupboard, and I really have not ever bought them, I don't know, probably for years now. Just as I try and steer you off of white processed packaged foods, I'm going to do exactly the same thing here. Now, the term vegetable oil is used to refer to any oil. Sure, it comes from a plant source. And the healthfulness of a vegetable oil depends entirely on its source and what it's used for. 
most of those vegetable oils that you buy with that name, vegetable oil, on the label, they're a blend of canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, safflower, palm, and sunflower oils. A lot of these oils are, other than extra virgin olive oil, are really super refined and processed, which means that they not only lack flavor, but they also lack nutrients. So it's also called a vegetable oil, which blows a lot of people's minds because the manufacturers, they can just come along and substitute whatever commodity oil they happen to have going on. So if it's corn, maybe they use a bit more of that. Or if it's cottonseed, they use more of that or canola, but they don't actually have to change the label because it just says vegetable oil. So that all falls under that umbrella. Many of those that I've just mentioned, the corn, the soy, the cottonseed, and the canola, they're all genetically modified too. So that's definitely a double strike against your typical vegetable oil. Processed oils, well, they've been pushed past their heat tolerance and actually have become rancid during the processing. So when these oils are made, they're damaged just so that they can extend the shelf life. And that rancidity that I just mentioned also has to be treated with a completely, I mean, let's call it a feast of harsh chemicals that then also bleach it. Because this whole chemical feast of getting to this place produces a dirty, smelly mess. So then that second chemical feast that comes along is what, what they have to do to make up for the first one that they did. There's like deodorizing that goes on. Honestly, this is nothing close to anything else that you've ever come across. So truthfully, when I talk about, you know, those white, those ultra processed foods, the oils actually fall under the same category. So basically the takeaway here is please don't go and buy, don't go replace, maybe even ditch that vegetable oil that you've got hanging around. Wow, just the words you were using there, rancid and bleached and deodorizing and wow. You, exactly. make, you make it sound so nice, so appealing, so tasty. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it insane what they do? Wow. They take it, they go, this process that it goes through. And I think, I hope that this is super eye-opening because in a lot of kitchens, I see that one one bottle, right? That one bottle of vegetable oil that you kind of just have there for the, I'm not really sure which oil to use. So I'm going to go for the vegetable oil because I think it's going to be okay. So when you come over to my house for dinner, I'm going to have to get my wife to hide the oil. (laughs) (laughs) And the deep fat fryer, maybe. (laughs) Hide the vegetable oil, hon. Leanne's coming over. (laughs) Yep. No good. No good. All right. So let's move on to the best fats. Right. Quickly, let's just circle back to that high smoke point that I talked about. Right. So this is when it gets not so healthy. So this is the kind of thing is when you put some olive oil in the pan or maybe you put the butter in the pan and then maybe you walk away. Well, I'm saying this because this is what I do too often, just like what we talked about in in last week's episode in the toast. I put the toast in the oven and then I walk away, come back and, you know, it's burnt. So I do the same thing with the oil because I multitask too much or I attempt to. It's never, never goes well. So I will come back and I'll see the smoke rising from the frying pan. Not good. That's the smoke point. And if you've seen that too, know that you've just made a pan of free radicals that I mentioned earlier. So it's time to ditch and start again. All right. So the first oil that I want to talk about is coconut oil. I honestly think that this is the best addition to any whole food pantry that you've got going on or any pantry. And also you can take a little jar of it and then stick it in your bathroom because I often smother it on my skin after I jump out of the shower. The largest part of fat in coconut oil comes from a healthy saturated fat called lauric acid. 
which has actually been proven to encourage your body to burn fat and raise that HDL, that helper or good cholesterol in your blood that can help reduce the risk of heart disease. So I bet you didn't see that one coming. And also because coconut oil is metabolized in your liver, it's incredible for energy when I was working out and going to the gym when we could, then I would take a couple of dates and then I just put a teaspoon of coconut oil in the middle of it. And that would be my pre-workout snack because the coconut oil is easily digestible. The, you know, the more sugar, the carbs from the date and then mixed in with that fat was perfect for the energy that I needed to get through my workout. So you can really use coconut oil in so many more ways and just on your skin and just in your cooking. The most important thing is when it comes to cooking, coconut oil is resistant, quite resistant to that high, to that oxidation when you turn it up to a high temperature, which makes it really stable and amazing to cook with. Now, one of those things that no matter what kind of cook you are and how much frying you've got, when you make popcorn in your kitchen, maybe you've tried the air popper. And, you know, kind of comes out, it's pretty dry. So you got to put on a lot more fat in the beginning. Well, I just ditched that two-step process and I make my popcorn with coconut oil, about three tablespoons of coconut oil to about a third to a half a cup of popcorn. I do it the old way, you know, the old style, just get out the really big saucepan, put it on the stove and, oh, it is epic. A little bit of truffle salt on top of it and it just takes it to a whole other level. My God, it's so delicious. Oh, isn't that wonderful? I use coconut oil for my eggs and in my cast iron frying pan because it's not nonstick. I use it in the place of butter for my go faster granola bar recipe and a lot of the snacks that you'll find in my award-winning books for it right family food. <laughs> I always have to get I always have to get that in, get that in there, right? It's just like, oh my God, there it is again. I can talk about my book and say award-winning. That'll never get old, I tell you. All right. So let's move on to extra virgin olive oil, E-V-O-O, you'll see that written as. You know, it seems a little odd that you can take an olive and squeeze it and get the oil out of it kind of doesn't it? But you know, it's one of the best known oils and likely found in just about every household in some form. Some say no kitchen is complete without the cold pressed extra virgin olive oil. So if possible, really only buy that EVOO. It has to say all those words on it. If you can go the extra mile, sure, go for organic, but it could be a bit costly. The difference between your extra virgin or EVOO and your regular is that the extra virgin olive oil is the first extract from the oil. So there's no heat involved. There's no chemicals that destroy the integrity of this oil. Oh, it's just so amazing that it just comes from this plant. They take it. They literally process it once. There's no bleach. There's no deodorant. There's none of that stuff going on. If you don't have EVOO, then you're getting into that realm of that extra processed. So the less processed, the better for you without a doubt. Depending on the brand, you'll find that sometimes there's more olivey taste and using that with your cooking is not so great, sometimes better on just a salad, but it really comes down to a personal preference. 
you can just drizzle it, it uh, without anything else onto some sort of salad. That really comes from the Mediterranean way of cooking, but just takes everything to another level. And I think just the whole widespread benefits of the Mediterranean way of eating for improved heart health, improved brain function, and even when you're using extra virgin olive oil, there's actually potential anti-cancer benefits too. And like coconut oil, it can also handle moderately high temperatures without getting to that smoke point or without oxidizing, turning to the bad fat, the, the free radicals. So it's best for like low to medium-ish heat cooking. Now, next up is butter. I love talking about butter. All right, let's do it. It looks like the gloves are finally coming off. All right. Now, not all butter is completely created equal. So if I had my choice, I'd always buy grass-fed and organic. But if you've ever seen that, you know that it's not cheap, but you know, I kind of have my butter for baking that I use, which is not that. And then anything else that we use it for, then I have the grass-fed and the organic. So you can also kind of balance it out that way. Some people avoid butter entirely because they don't do very well with dairy or milk, but it's really different to milk. Butter has very low amounts of lactose, if any, in it, which is the milk sugar that doesn't typically agree with many people. Butter also has really low amounts of protein too. So in allergy cases, sometimes people actually do okay with it. I've had many people who can tolerate butter far better than any of the other dairies. And also, like it's delicious. It's super yum. Yeah. And I I just think about the shortbread that I buy weekly from the French baker at the Brickworks market and my mouth waters. <laughs> that butter fat, you know, it can be seen on the paper bag that's like, you know, when it's like stained with the oil on it. <laughs> and it just, you know, as he's loading up my shortbread into my paper bag, yep. then I can just start to see it. And that's what makes it taste so damn good. But like, it's not like I'm having one every single day, but when I want to have one, that's what I go to because it is so tasty and fat keeps you feeling fuller for longer. So I don't need to go and eat a whole box of shortbread. I can just have one of these gorgeous pieces of baking. Honestly, it's so good. The grass-fed piece can be a really simple switch and have a really big impact. So what dairy cows eat, well, that just goes straight into the milk and it impacts the nutritional value of the milk that they produce. And of course, that the butter is made from that milk. So studies have shown that grass-fed is a richer source of vitamin A, omega-3 fatty acids. So while it's a heavily saturated fat, there's also some good fats in there. And one particular called conjugated linoleic acid, or CLA, and that links to uh, promising anti-cancer effects. And also grass-fed butter is a good source of vitamin K2. K2 is also in my sunshine D3 K2 because it helps the absorption of the vitamin D. So it's just all round a way, way better, uh, better buttered if you can, if you can get it. I use butter in my frying pan when I make French toast, or sometimes I also use coconut oil. I occasionally use both butter and coconut oil when I'm cooking, and this can help to avoid that butter from sort of burning and going really, really brown. Now, butter does have a high smoke point, but when it gets to that brown, it's not, not so good unless you're just doing a real quick fry. Like I have a great Jamie Oliver recipe that I do with, uh, with our super light fish. 
just a piece of sole and it's actually with brown butter. So that's the point of it. The butter goes in, you watch it, it turns brown, you throw the fish in literally two minutes each side and that's totally done. If it goes too much further than that, then you're really getting to that smoke point. So it's not so healthy butter. Now, another step further to butter is called ghee. Ghee is like the holy grail of dairy products for some people. It's a form of highly clarified butter that has been traditionally used in Asian cooking and comes from the Eastern or Ayurvedic medicines healing roots. The process of making ghee looks like melting butter in a saucepan and removing the milk solids, you kind of get this white solid on top and then you skim that off, meaning that the final result has significantly fewer dairy sugars and then the proteins also come off as you make it. So it's even more tolerable by those that are really sensitive to dairy. So unlike butter, ghee won't turn rancid when you leave it out at room temperature. It still has its original taste and flavor and can actually last for up to a year. Once I fed my eldest daughter spoonfuls of ghee when she was young, younger because somehow she was really mineral deficient. You know those white marks that you get on your fingernails and you often see in growing kids? They uh, were all over. Maybe I should have been looking for them. Now I feel like a terrible father. <laughs> no, I, I, was not, I was not looking at their nails to see if there was white spots on them. No. So now everybody's going to look at their nails and their kids' <laughs> yes, nails yes. and be like, holy smoke, she's mineral deficient. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, open your mouth. I'm going to throw some ghee in there. Aww. That's what Leanne just told me to do. Blame her. <laughs> so I, because of the naturopath that we were seeing at yeah. the time, we, try, we tried a whole bunch of different supplements and it was kind of helping a little bit. But in the end, the naturopath just said she's going to absorb these minerals far better if it came from a food source with the fat because that's they act. The fat acts as a transportation system. So she said, go find some grass fed ghee and give it to her every single day. I put it on everything. I put it in everything. And eventually, if you can believe it, she would have it by the spoonful. Wow. That's not something I could ever do, but she did it. All other fats and oils can actually slow down your body's digestive process and give us that heavy feeling in our stomach. But ghee actually stimulates the digestive system by encouraging the secretion of the stomach acid that helps to break down your food. And with all the heartburn out there, and Chris, you and I have talked about this lately, and we even talked about this in episode 37 in the when we were talking about deficiencies in heartburn, you actually might need more stomach acid. So the ghee could be your new go-to to help encourage that production of hydrochloric acid. So you actually digest your food better and don't end up with heartburn actually has a really high smoke point or that burning temperature. So definitely give this one a go and maybe try and find it on your next shop. I've used Lee's Ghee before. That's a local one um, that I came across even back then when I was giving it to my daughter. And I think that they've got like different flavors. There was one that was called Noisette, I think it was, like a sort of hazelnutty type of thing, which was absolutely incredible. You just put this stuff on your toast and it was the flavor was ridiculous it was just beyond butter actually i think that's might have been the one that i used which just to get her to have it off the spoon she was right. like oh yeah I'll, I'll have more of that and i'll have more of that so ghee is not only just sort of your like your plain butter kind of flavor there's a lot of benefits to it so now different companies are starting to starting to kind of change it up a little makes bit makes me wonder what my the, the face my doctor would give me if i told him i was having spoonfuls of butter now <laughs> 
right? I mean, you. I mean, it would not be good. Uh, yeah. This is out in this is out in total left field of any medical practices. <laughs> Let me just be clear on that. I want to see that sure. commercial for Lee's B oh. when yeah. when, they, when they've got kids around the table going, "Hmm, how's yours taste? I love my ghee. It's <laughs> yummy, Mom. We're all out of ghee." <laughs> Because that's exactly what's going to happen. It's the yeah. new after-school snack. All right. Yeah, awesome. Love it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, I know that you still want to know what are you going to deep fry your, I don't know, whatever, your donuts in, don't you? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is maybe ease up on the deep frying, depending on how often it's happening. Bite your uh, tongue, young lady. <laughs> I know. I, I once did a sponsored media tour when, for one of the very first air fryers. And man, oh man, did it ever make super crispy sweet potato fries and chicken pieces and all sorts of stuff. This was like, I don't even know how long ago this was. This must have been like eight or 10 years ago. And you only need a teeny tiny amount of oil compared to the you know, submerse everything into the deep fryer. So that certainly is an option. But if you have to use oil at high heat, rice bran oil and canola oil are actually really good. But they can't be refined. So you're not really going to find that in the usual grocery grocery aisle. You're going to have to look for that first press, just like I talked about with the olives, maybe even organic. And then you're going to know that you're having a product that has not gone through the bleaching and all of that that I talked about and is not super refined. So quick question then, if I go and get the canola oil and yep. use it in my deep fryer, Yep. Do I have to then discard the oil at the end of that fry or can I keep the oil and use it the next time around or does it is yes. it shelf I can. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well that's I would. that's interesting. I mean be yep. only, I'm just thinking if it's not as refined does that mean it has a a, a shorter shelf life? That's all. So what you could do is you could pour it out of it and then keep it in the fridge. Okay. Okay. Right? So well, a lot of a lot of oils, like when you buy your hemp oil and your flax oil, you're going to buy it from the fridge right. because you don't you don't want it to go rancid. I mean, by the time you've heated it to a super high temperature, I don't know if deep fryers have a temperature on it, they but do. you're really looking looking around like a 450 maybe. Try not to go above that. No, they don't tend you know, to. Most uh, most deep frying happens between 350 and 400. Okay. All right. Then definitely you can use peanut oil or even coconut oil too, cool. because they're stable up to about somewhere around there. And if you get like a really massive tub of coconut oil, which you can do at places like Costco, then you're good to go. Uh, just a quick side mention of another fat, which is delish if you haven't even tried it, is duck fat. <laughs> and I I have tried duck fat fries. Chris is jumping around in my, in my Zoom <laughs> screen because he's so excited that we're talking about this now. Now, duck fat is a whole other ballgame from a taste perspective and then also the saturated. But really, for taste, it's off the charts. Not so healthy. So I'm not going to say go for it. But you know what? You've just you've got to experience it at some point in time. So just go for it when you happen to see it. What heck yeah. So in a nutshell, you can use your coconut oil for most of your frying, olive oil for some light frying, maybe if you're going to be roasting something in the oven at like a three, 350 uh, degree oven. And then of course, you can put that all over your salads. You can try olive oil and butter together in your frying pan just to keep the butter from burning and grab some of that ghee and try that out too. The benefits to be enjoyed from eating fat 
is mostly taste. And it also really helps to keep you full for longer, as well as all of the health benefits that I've talked about are really important because these fats are also really important for your brain function. Most of the omega-3s, that's what gets into the brain and also for your heart. So there's a strong case to include more of the right fat sources into your diet and also into your cooking. Sometimes that begins with the absolute basics. So try maybe something as simple as switching out your go-to cooking oil. So think about that rancidity that's covered up by more stuff and bleach and smelly things in the cooking oil that I know you've got sitting in your kitchen. So maybe ditch that or just next time buy something else. Could be making a really long-term investment in your health and not compromise on taste and the enjoyment of your meals. much for listening in today i hope you've had a good giggle because chris and i have have as we always do please pass this on to someone that you've talked to about your latest baking or cooking games in the kitchen it might help them to know a little bit more and make a more informed decision you know that you can always reach out on social media and say hey here i've got a new idea for you i want to know a little bit more about that cholesterol you talked about or hey what about this or what about that because if you ask that question just know that there's a whole bunch of other people out there that really want to know about it too but maybe they just don't think about it when they're in front of their phone or on their computer to reach out so thanks as always for being here thanks for constantly tuning in and being one of our over 65 maybe even 66,000 downloads by now and of course thank you to chris for the laughs and the incredible work that you do my friend and how you turn this into a national radio show on the iHeartRadio talk network All right, so go forth and enjoy that fat, that oil, and you know that I'm going to say it because I always do. Please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. (laughs) 